pants, and y'all got the tryptophan thing going on in your brain right now, right? Right? Y'all, yeah, obviously, right? And uh, now we're back to Thanksgiving, even though we just passed Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving, are, are we like messing with your mind? We're like flipping all around. I don't know about you, but it's pretty incredible that we are right now talking about Christmas, right? I mean, it just happens really fast. But I'm excited about this coming Christmas season. Every once in a while, you know, Christmas Day is a Sunday. And so we try to figure out in churches, you know, across the land, yikes, so what are we going to do? And so what we've decided to do is to make you feel guilty so that you show up here Sunday morning. No, that's the exact opposite. I want you to know that. Our Christmas morning service will be a really kind of unplugged and relaxed service in which we will sing some songs. Maybe we'll even share a couple of stories. Maybe we'll put, you know, a hundred dollar bill under a chair and see who gets it. Maybe we won't. Uh, and then just really a devotional time. So I've, you know, I've told a few people, and I don't know if it's if I need to say it, I'd say it anyway. You know, if you've got family stuff going on and you're traveling or whatever, this is this is really just for if you're in town and you just want to connect on Christmas morning. I'd love to have you here. Uh, but but you know, it's a, it's a crazy time for people. I, I get that. So even though we're mixing metaphors all over the place, um, it's my hope that uh, you'll be able to just reflect on something that maybe you were thankful for, something that you are thankful for, as we conclude this series about the Bible and, and the topic being Bible-sized gratitude. What, what could that be? Bible-sized gratitude. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the, uh, the creativity and the music and, 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 and all the people working behind the scenes to bring this service to us. But God, remind us, it, 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 just, it is just, a, just an act of about an hour unless we, we sing the words and listen, unless we wonder what, what you might be saying to us today. So God, I pray, I pray that you would hide me in your shadow, that what people, all of us together might hear, might see, might sense would be your word of encouragement or challenge, your word of hope and grace, your word of new life and thanksgiving, thanks living. I pray, God, that you would speak to each person here, whether through my own words or through just something that you whisper. We thank you, God, for this morning and pray that somehow we hear you and we would be open to listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. I, like many of you, 
um, get, you know, emails and, and blogs and devotionals and a lot of stuff electronically anymore. And maybe, maybe you get a bunch of that, maybe you don't. But here, I got this, uh, I got this email um, uh, uh, just a, a few days before Thanksgiving. It's probably on Monday, so just this past Monday. Listen, listen to these words about Thanksgiving. Certain dates of the year exist for a particular purpose. Veterans Day salutes those who have fought and do fight for our country, our freedom. Mother's Day reminds us to tell our mothers that we love them. Martin Luther King Jr. Day commemorates a man who changed the face of history. Thanksgiving falls into this same category, only it serves a much different purpose. Thanksgiving is a day to enjoy food. And I'm not just talking about the healthy stuff. Everyone deserves this day to indulge. And then he concludes this email with this sentence. In many ways, Thanksgiving is simply a national holiday of eating. Holy crapola. It has come to that. Now listen, I'm all for, I, you should have seen me. Maybe you shouldn't. I enjoyed the day. But are we really wanting to say that the day has become the national holiday of eating? Here are some interesting facts regarding Thanksgiving. I don't know how many of you ate white meat or dark meat, but according to a national survey, people do these surveys. 85% of the people opted for which one? White or dark? White. And since they did that, nearly three out of four opted for gravy at the same time. Now, which is the number one side dish? What do you think? Stuffing. Stuffing. Stuffing and most, what did you say? Casserole. Who casserole? Green bean casserole. Didn't even make the survey, mister. <laughs> Three quarters mashed potatoes. There is a, here, this one I don't get. Cranberry jello salad. There is a 3,860% increase in the consumption of cranberry salad. That's because nobody eats it at any other time. Right? And here's my favorite little statistic. There is a 960% increase in the consumption of McRibs the day after Thanksgiving. I don't know what that says about us, do you? We just sang some powerful songs. 
All to Him I bring. All to Christ I bring. As I was working on this message a few days ago, kind of cutting and pasting different ideas, I was in a bookstore with a cup of coffee. And in the loudspeaker, as people were in line, grabbing things, pursuing the great American consumption leading up to Black Friday, this song was in the background. An old hymn, Angels from the Realm of Glory. The chorus of that hymn goes, Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn King. Thanksgiving. The day of eating. I wondered about what would be the best scripture to share with you about the idea of thanksgiving and being grateful for all that we have on an ongoing daily basis. And I don't know what you would pick, but there's this great story in Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, beginning at the 11th verse. You may or may not have heard this story before, but just listen to these words. Now, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was about to enter into a village, ten men with leprosy met him along the road. They stood at a great distance from him, and they shouted out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. At that time, if you were diagnosed with leprosy, which means you had something that put kind of a scarlet letter on you. Do you understand the reference I'm making? Most people said that you had done something in your life, you had screwed up so badly that God gave you leprosy. Therefore, it was thought of as a disease, but also as a curse. Do you understand what I'm saying? So part of the rules along having leprosy, there were a lot of rules, you couldn't be in polite society. You had to hold yourself at a distance from people. Some of the rules were if I was walking down the sidewalk and you came walking this way, you had to go to the other side of the road. After all, God had cursed you, so why should I walk in your dust? Now, I know we don't think of people like that. When people make mistakes, when people kind of screw up in life, we don't, of course, point the finger at them. I understand we don't do that. Right? 
So they shouted out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus looked at them. Which is really, if you're reading this along in the Bible or on an app or something, you should really underline that. Jesus was really big at looking at people who were wounded and hurting. We sometimes divert our eyes. After all, they're homeless and they just want money and they're just going to spend it on something they shouldn't spend, right? After all, you know, like, you know, right? We divert our eyes frequently. Jesus always, like, looked at the person who was hurting. Jesus looked at them and he said, go and show yourself to the priests. That's where you're supposed to go, Jesus said. Go, go to the priest. Just, just go to the priest. Let them pray for you. As they were walking along, it's the next sentence, as they were walking along, they were suddenly healed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, again with the loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. You may or may not know that Samaritans were of mixed blood. Samaritans were on the rung of social standing somewhere buried in the dirt beneath the rungs. The Samaritans were the ones that good people didn't associate with because after all, they were Samaritans. You wouldn't want your child to marry a Samaritan. You wouldn't want them to go to school with Samaritans. And for Pete's sake, you wouldn't want them touching each other. But the one who came back was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were not all of you healed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, and don't miss this last sentence. Then Jesus said to the Samaritan, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. But he was already cleansed. Jesus is talking about a deeper wellness a deeper wholeness that comes to people who understand what thankfulness is all about. The thankfulness was not in the gift of being healed. The thankfulness and the complete wholeness came when he came back to Jesus and said, thank you for being a part of my life. Thank you for giving me healing. Thank you, God, for being with me. How do we create a thanks-living kind of life? 
How do you think you create a thanksgiving kind of life? Because I know if you and I were to just go away and sit inside my office and I would say, do you live a thanksgiving kind of life? Most of us would say no. I would say no. And yet if we were forced to write down everything that which, for which we were thankful, all the blessings that we've received in life, most of you could write a number of things, Right? And so we've received all of this stuff. We received all of these blessings. But the point of the story is how many people go back to the feet of Jesus? How many people go back to God and say, I really am thankful? How many of us do that? There is a surge of academic research lately that says the more grateful you are, the less depression you have. Listen. The more you authentically say, I am grateful for my life, for what I have been given, instead of ticking off the things that we wish we had, the idea of giving thanks actually enriches our lives pure and simple. Where we get stuck, and maybe it's just me, maybe it's, really, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm just talking to myself here. Where I get stuck is I wait to feel thankful before I give gratitude. I wait for something to be received before I offer a sense of gratefulness. And the bottom line is, and you you know this to be true, gratitude based on feeling grateful is just half the deal. Because we don't often feel grateful. How often do you just walk through life and you're at work and somebody's getting on your nerves and you say, boy, I'm grateful. How many times are you in the middle of an argument with your spouse and you just pause for a second and you look him or her in the eye and you say, but I'm grateful. I know it's weird. But if your feelings, if your feelings drive your gratitude, you will very seldom express gratitude. But if you are willing to walk along the path and to recognize all that God has brought into your life, you'll be the one out of the ten that returns to God and says, You know what? Life ain't perfect, but I really am grateful. I really am grateful. Let me give you just a couple of ideas about how to develop a sense of gratitude. Number one, zoom out of your life. Take a broad view of your life. Step back, get a high view of what is going on in your life and in the world, and tell me you won't be grateful. 
for all that is around you. If you will just step back and give thanks, view your life, here's the deal, view your life from the lens of what you have, not from what you don't have. You tell your kids this all the time. You, you, you tell listen, think of all the things we have, you say, and, and the Christmas lists are going to start, aren't they? And that, that, that's not a bad thing, but it can be a good thing to just take two steps back and to view your life from a broader perspective. You might sense more things to be grateful for than you imagine. The second, second idea is to be mindful. That, that, that just simply means to walk through life and to observe what is going on around you. People opening doors for one another. Sometimes if you will be mindful, you'll let that person who's trying to cut you off on the road, just, you'll just let them in. And maybe you're grateful that it wasn't an accident. Can, can you just walk through life for the next week and be mindful of everything that is going on around you and think about what you have to be grateful for? Some of you are thinking about it right now. Some of you are not. What are three things you're grateful for? And then when you list those three things that you're grateful for, list a fourth. One, zoom out of your life. Don't get buried in the day-to-day. Two, be mindful as you walk through the day. Be mindful of all that is going on around you. And perhaps Jesus is calling out to you and maybe for the first time you need to turn back to him. Maybe Jesus is calling out to you and for the first time you need to be turning back to him and offer just some sense of gratitude and thanks for living. Third, if you get anything from this message, remember that Gratitude is not based in feelings. If you base your gratitude in feelings, you will be less grateful. Because we don't often feel grateful. We often feel put upon, or we often feel that people are asking too much of us, or we often feel the pressure of finances, or we often feel the pressure of needing to do more. We often feel all of that. But if we think about all that we have been given, wouldn't it be likely that we would sense more gratitude in life? for a good friend that walks with you through a hard time. For a parent that is trying to do the best they can in hard circumstances. For relationships that are far from perfect, but are relationships. 
for the ability to go to school, to go to work. For the freedom to come together and pray and sing and not do it quietly because it's outlawed and illegal. The one thing I didn't want this morning's message to be was me to just pound you away and say, you ungrateful wretches, you. Who becomes grateful when somebody puts their finger in your face and says, why are you not more grateful? But the one thing I did want this message to be was for you to just pause for just a few moments this morning and to draw back from your life and not to focus so much on the pain and to the idea of walking through life and being more mindful of the relationships and strength and gifts that you have been given. And to remember that gratitude is more than an attitude. That's fourth. Gratitude is more than an attitude. It is the path in life that you choose to walk. I choose to walk in this path even though I am sometimes wanting to just ditch it. Gratitude is more than an attitude. Recent studies are showing us that people who focus on a sense of gratitude in life are happier, they're more resilient, they actually stay physically healthier, and they are less depressed. Gratitude. Here's the downside. Gratitude does not come naturally to us. What comes naturally to us is wanting more. What comes naturally to us is the nine who didn't come back, who simply got healed and then went on with their life. Gratitude needs to be learned. It needs to be practiced. One psychologist reported that he had his subjects every day write down four or five things that they were grateful for Every single day, every single day, write down four or five things that you are happier for. Within two to three weeks, all of them reported that they were more buoyant in life, they were more grateful in life, and they simply were happier people. All they did was for a couple weeks, write down four or five things for which they are grateful. One lady on the East Coast every morning updates her Facebook page by writing what she is grateful for that day. She got the idea from a friend of hers who lives on the other side of the country who decided to write what she is grateful for every morning on her Facebook page instead of focusing on her father's recent diagnosis with Lou Gehrig's disease. She got the idea from a friend of hers who updates her Facebook page with what she is grateful for right after she lost her husband to a car accident. She got her idea. This is all true. She got her idea from a friend of hers who updates her Facebook page with what she is grateful for every morning. 
holy cow. What if we started the day? What if we started the day with what they used to call an examination of conscience? In which you go through your life just mentally and you say, this is what I'm grateful for. This is what I'm going to focus on today. It will not make your life all perfect. You will not have enough money in the bank account if you don't have it now. You're not going to be all healthy if you do this, if you don't. It's not going to cleanse your life. But you will be able to go through the day and say that there is something more important than the junk that I have going on in my life. And it are things that which, for which I am grateful. This is where in the message I thought I will lose them. Because even to me it sounds too much like pulling myself up by my own bootstraps, facing the struggle in life and just saying, well, at least I'm not them. At least I don't look like that. When what I'm suggesting to you is that you pretty significantly and pretty profoundly face this Christmas season and consistently and daily live out of your gratitude and not out of what you lack. Live out of what you have and not out of what you wish you had. Live out of the possibility instead of the struggle. Live out of walking with God instead of walking your own path. Gratitude comes in all sizes. And I'm going to conclude this message with a story that I actually shared last Thanksgiving. I told you about the blog, the email that I received that said, Thanksgiving is really the national day of eating, which I find to be as appalling as possible. But I also receive another email, blog, and it contained this story, the same story it contained last year. I want you to listen to it. I want you to find yourself in the story. I want you to listen to it, and I want you to ask yourself, would you face this in the same way? How many of you know the name Corey Ten Boom? Corey Ten Boom was um, in a Nazi concentration camp, uh, tried to face that situation with faith, um, encourage you to read her story, uh, but this is a part of her story that, unless you remember it from last Thanksgiving, you probably don't know. The barracks where, this is the story, the barracks where Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy were kept in this Nazi concentration camp was in Ravensbrück, and it was terribly overcrowded. People were stacked on beds, sleeping on the floor, 
the sanitation conditions were worse than worse. And on top of that, the entire barracks was flea-infested. Somehow, Corrie ten Boom and her sister and friends had been able to miraculously smuggle a Bible into the camp. And in that Bible, they read, as you have read, give thanks in all circumstances of your life. And that God can use even the most painful circumstances in your life for good. Corey's sister, Betsy, decided that they meant, that this meant they needed to be praying and thanking God for everything in the concentration camp, including the fleas. She said to her sister, we need to be praying and following scripture that we are thankful in the middle of this mess, and I think we need to be thankful for these fleas. This was a little bit over the top for Corey who said, I will absolutely never pray a prayer to thank God for the fleas. Push the pause button a second. Should you ever say, I will never say a prayer thanking God for something? It usually comes back to haunt you at some point in life. Unpause. So, Betsy continued to insist Corey, the Bible says we need to pray and thank God for everything in our lives, and these fleas are all over our lives, so we need to thank them. So Corey one time gave in, and she prayed to God, leading all the women in a prayer and including thankfulness for the fleas. It makes me itch thinking about it. I know, you're all ready to scratch, aren't you? Over the next several months, An incredible and curious thing happened. They found that the guards in the Nazi concentration camp never entered their barracks anymore. This meant that the women were no longer raped. It also meant that they were able to do the unthinkable they were able to hold open Bible studies and prayer meetings in the middle of the concentration camp in the heart of Nazi Germany. Through this Bible study, prayer time, countless numbers of women came to faith in Christ. Only at the end of the war did they discover why the guards stopped coming into the camp, into their barracks? You know, because it had too many fleas. This Thanksgiving, one author says, this season of anticipating the birth of, of Christ. We are called to give thanks to God and then to receive that thankfulness back from God. 
to thank him for every good and perfect gift, James chapter 1. But also thank him for the things that that are not so good in life, that he may be able to use and bend and twist for our benefit, Romans 8. In this season, I'm about to end this message, so you better pay attention. We live in a, in a season when our home values are declining, when unemployment is rising. We are facing physical, emotional challenges. There's no doubt that we need to enter into a trusting prayerful relationship with Christ and that may be the hardest thing you do this season. The hardest thing you may do this season may be entering into the moments of thanking God for the middle of your mess that you're in right now and asking God to guide you through it, asking God to bring people to Christ in it. When you feel like that is a challenge, when you feel like things are just biting at you and irritating you, when you feel like life is not something for which you are grateful, remember the fleas. Remember the pain. Remember the way life keeps coming in. And I'm going to say it. Live gratefully anyway. Live gratefully anyway. Live gratefully even when you are not grateful. Because I guarantee you, my friends, they were not grateful for the fleas. But when they approached life with a step of gratitude, everything began to change. What will you do this season in which we anticipate the birth of a child, but we know what's in store for that child. What will you do to live forward, to move into gratitude? Would you be the one that came back to Jesus Or would you and I be one of the ones that are grateful, but then we just move on? Would you be the one that returns? Or would you just accept the gift and forget the giver? Would you accept the gift and turn to the giver?
Will you stand for the closing prayer? God, we know that in this world, our society, our nation, our place, we truly have so much to be grateful for. But we also know, God, that we cannot be forced into gratitude. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us as individuals and you would strengthen us as a church to live a sense of gratitude. To call out to you on the road, have mercy on us. To receive the gifts that you want to give to us, not just the gifts we want. Help us to be the one that returns to you time and time again with gratitude. To be grateful for all the gifts, but more than that, be grateful for the one who gives. All of this we ask and we trust in your son's name. Amen.